bet the game. Sounds crazy, Frank. <laughs> Maybe just crazy enough to work. Sports betting within Oregon Lean. Powered by Sports Radio 750, The Game, Portland's most listened to sports station. You probably won't say it again. I bet I do. Okay. Chris. Now, here are your hosts, Judah Newby and Zach Schlegel. Hey, what a do, baby! Another week. Another week. Another day, another dollar. Literally. In our case. Yeah. We're yeah. just cashing it. Bet the game podcast. What are we on, Zach? Episode, Episode five. Five already. Five. Time has been flying, but welcome back in. This is Bet the Game Sports Betting with an Oregon Lean, powered by 750 The Game. He is Zach Schlegel. I'm Judah Newby. One of us is uh, hotter on our picks than the other. And uh, that'd be you, the man that they refer to at the Yard House as Big Z. Big Z. That was legendary. <laughs> Walking into Yard House, I did not expect that. Two women at the front who greeted me, they're like, wait a minute, are, are you Big Z? I'm like, well, I, I guess so. <laughs> this is where the legend was created. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, we were catching up uh, with some uh, fans of the show, actually, yeah. at, at Yard House. Shout out. little happy hour. What was that? That was Lions Packers Monday night, a couple yep. Mondays ago, and uh, yeah, you got recognized. I did, I did. It felt it felt nice, Judah. Yeah, felt well well deserved. Long time coming. You know, yep. it's been five episodes, but finally you got recognized. Yeah, maybe we'll start getting recognized on the streets. Kids running up to us. Oh, Judah, Zach, bet the game. Well, I hope that's what happens <laughs> to you. That I hope that does not happen to me because I've been ice cold lately with these picks. They say the separations and the preparation and. Uh, let's just say, hey, man, I, I've been caught up in some stuff. It's been hard for me to stay disciplined with the yeah. preparation. It's manifested itself in some not-so-good results betting-wise. But uh, your weekend last weekend, uh, how did it look? Did, I mean, how was the volume? How were the results? Yeah, college football went really well for me, 6-4 and four on the weekend, so 60%. I'll take it every week. Almost went 7-3. and three. There, was, there were a couple picks there that kind of came down to the wire. But overall, I was happy with that. Again, I always post my college football picks Saturday morning on Twitter, at Zach Schlegel. The NFL picks, I did go 3-0, and Judah, and so you know, I can't complain about a perfect weekend in the NFL. Kaching money, Vikings minus two, cashed it right there. I took the Titans minus two. What a way to win that one. I saw it the whole way. Never oh, a yeah. doubt. Never a doubt. And then the Patriots. I mean, this really was never a doubt. No jokes aside. Or all jokes aside. Patriots were up 17 nothing or whatever it was in the first quarter. I had them minus two and a half. So easy money there. Yeah, not so hot for me on the NFL picks for second straight week. But looking forward to getting back on the train. All right. We got a great slate of college games and NFL games to get to. As we always do, we start in college football, and we start in the Pac-12 because we recognize our audience, you know, regionally, um, their their attention centers on Oregon, Oregon State, the stuff that's local. And by the way, now that we have a certain rhythm to the Oregon Sports Lottery uh, betting app that's out now, and it's functioning, and it's working, and more people are using it, and the numbers are growing, I think there will the appetite will keep growing proportionally. Uh, and now that it's midway through the season, plus with the NBA going, there's a lot of volume opportunities for the scoreboard app on uh, from the Oregon Lottery. So without any further ado, let's get going. Of course, no college games right now on the scoreboard app, but that's not going to stop us from doing our hashtag offshore. Mm-hmm. 
Oregon, Washington State. What a great matchup here. Oregon, a 14-point home favorite. Total resting at 64-and-a-half. Zach, you have a Ducks team that is fresh off a highly emotional win in a rivalry game in Seattle where they had to come back from two scores down. You and I were watching that game together and both pulling for the Ducks, and they got it done. It's a huge game. But generally, the week after that, your eyebrows have to be raised coming off an emotional game. Right now, you're in a Saturday night spot against a very unique team in Wazoo that can be excellent at times at what they do. Yeah, Oregon, I'm I'm impressed with what they were able to do last week in the second half. Justin Herbert, we were waiting to see if the guy was going to be able to come back in a game uh, when they when they when they're down a couple scores and down 14 points there in the second half, that was kind of a make or break moment for Justin Herbert and this Oregon team for the rest of the season. So the fact that they went in there and pulled it out in a tough environment, not only won the game but they covered the spread. Uh, point total went over, which did kind of surprise me. I didn't expect Washington to find that much success early. Uh, in the game against this Ducks defense, which we know is really tough this year. Uh, Maybe the best defense in the Pac-12, still maybe a top-10 defense overall in the nation. Now, like you said, you're looking ahead here to Washington State. Washington State, definitely not a pushover. In fact, the Cougs have won the last four in a row against the Ducks. So you can't be sleeping on them. Washington State's won by at least seven points in the last four meetings as well. So this is a game where... I'm not quick to just go lay that 14 with the Oregon Ducks. In fact, the number opened up at 15 and a half, and since then it's moved down to 14. So action has been coming in on the Washington State Cougars. The total opened around 65, 64 and a half, so stand put right there. At first glance, you'd think over, but Oregon this year has been coming under the total a lot this season. In fact, five of their seven games have gone under. Looking at this game, Judah... I think, I think the way this game is going to play out is Oregon, uh, on offense, they're third in the Pac-12 in, in rushing yards per game, putting up 173.6. The Washington State defense, on the other hand, 10th in the Pac-12 in rushing defense. They allow 177. So the way I see it playing out is Oregon's going to have to go in there and, and establish the run game once again. Get them going early on the ground, control the ball, keep the ball out of the hands of Gordon and that Washington State offense. Gordon, who had gone for nine touchdowns at one point in a game this season, we know they can put up points. So if you can keep the ball out of the offense's hands, Washington State that is, and you can get the ground game early for Oregon, it'll open up again the passing game for Herbert. Washington State's passing defense, eighth in the Pac-12. They allow 262. So overall... Washington State's defense isn't that great, but if I'm Oregon, I'm go. I'm looking to establish that run game at home and then open up the pass later in the game. Yeah, Oregon, we remember this game last year up in Pullman. They got kind of blitzkrieged right out mm-hmm. of the gate and fell behind. I think it was like 28 nothing by half, 27 nothing by halftime, right. and dug themselves a big hole. You're talking about a group of seniors now with the Ducks that have yet to beat Washington State in their college careers. So that yeah. if you believe in emotional chips on the shoulders of you know 18 to 21-year-olds, there it is for the Ducks to help counterbalance a potential letdown spot from last week's highly emotional victory over the rival Washington. You mentioned Oregon's rushing attack. It's got a little bit more balance and depth now with mm-hmm. this recent emergence of Cyrus Habibi Likio. Huge. Who know? I mean, he's always been productive, especially in goal-to-go situations, but... His balance has really impressed me and, and his ability to gain six and seven yard chunks, mm-hmm. even on the uh, the plus side of the field, 
has been really good. So between CJ Verdell, Travis Dye, and now Cyrus, you've got kind of a three-pronged rushing attack that should bode well for time of possession for Oregon, to your point. What I really like, too, about this matchup, is I look at Washington State. They're the number one passing offense in the nation. 440 yards per game. That's ridiculous. They're fourth in yards per game altogether, 532, and eighth in points per game. But when you look at the best defense that Washington State has faced this season, you got you got to say it's Utah, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Utah, who's 30th uh, in points in, in rushing, sorry, passing defense, is 30th uh, in yards allowed per game. Uh, Washington State wasn't able to do it through the air in that game. In fact, Gordon had his worst game of the season, throwing for just 252 yards, one touchdown, and two picks. So that was his worst game by far. Utah won that game by a score of 38-13. to So the Cougs were only able to put up 13 points against a Utah team that ranks 30th in pass defense. Oregon's defense, pass defense specifically, arguably better than that of Utah's. So that... I believe is a good sign for Oregon coming into this game. If they can limit Gordon in the passing game and they can control the clock, control the line of scrimmage, get the ball going on the ground for the offense, uh, that's going to be good things for the Oregon Ducks going forward. That's why I kind of like the under in this game, Judah. I'll be honest with you. I said it before. Five out of the seven games the Ducks have played this season, the total has gone under. Normally you'd think over in this game. I think the spread is too large for me to lay that kind of number, especially given the fact that Washington State has won the last four meetings by seven or more points. But I do think the under is the play in this game. So 64 and a half. Play the under. Yes, sir. Thank you, Rich. Moving on, a Friday night Pac-12 game this week, and we go to Boulder for it. USC, the Trojans, 13 and a half point road favorites on a Friday night at Colorado, an identical total to our previous matchup. Of 64 and a half. Zach, we saw USC, Notre Dame. Uh, we've seen bits and pieces, uh, ebbs and flows of the Trojans as the season has unfolded. Is this A, a classic trap game to where it's Friday night frenzy in Boulder and Folsom Field and the Colorado Buffaloes with that talent of um, the quarterback Montez and LaVisca Chenault? And the embattled defense, they have a terrible defense in Mel Tucker's first year. We saw that in Eugene a couple Friday nights ago, actually. Mm-hmm. Is this a place where Colorado can spring the upset? Because Colorado has been so unimpressive in recent weeks, um, even dating back to the Eugene game when they had when they had LaVisca playing. Like where do yeah. you where do you sit on this thirteen and a half? Well, Colorado's defense is pretty bad, Judah, and and that's <laughs> I think that speaks to this number uh, opening at fifty nine and a half and going all the way up to sixty four and a half there. So people are thinking there's going to be points in this game, probably more points on the USC side of things, I'd imagine. But here's the thing, Judah. The last time that Colorado played USC on a Friday night in Boulder was my birthday in 2015, November 13th. Wow. Colorado jumped out to a 17-6 to halftime lead, lost the game 27-24, to They almost squeaked it out there, but I guarantee you they covered the spread in that game. And to answer your question, yes, it does smell a little trappy here. The line opened at 10, a lot of action coming in on USC. That thing went all the way up to 14, maybe even 14 and a half, and now it's kind of back down to 13 and a half. I imagine it'll probably settle right around there. But Steven Montez is a veteran quarterback. He struggled a little bit this year, 10 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Numbers aren't off the charts. 
Colorado's never beaten USC ever. They're 0 and 13 all time, and they've lost eight years in a row to the Trojans since entering the Pac 12. So it's time, man. It's time for the Buffs to step up. It's time for them to knock off the Trojans, win on a Friday night. You know, what better night than on Friday night in Boulder, Colorado? to knock off the Trojans. And you mentioned that game with USC and Notre Dame. And yeah, yeah, USC played well. You know, they, they, I mean, they stayed in the game. They only lost by three when you look at the final score. But I think Notre Dame's fraudulent. We'll get to them at some point here. So I, I, don't, I don't see that as too impressive of a, of a performance for the Trojans. And I like Colorado altogether here, plus 13 and a half. Not saying they're going to win the game outright, but I wouldn't be totally shocked because at 0-13 all time, something's got to give. Folsom on a Friday night. Something magical about that. All right, Arizona at Stanford. We go to the farm on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Stanford Steve will be there. <laughs> and they're having some type of Pac-10 uh, reunion from some title team in yeah. 99 or whatever. Oh, however, something like that, yeah. However old he is because right. he's old. Anywho, uh, Arizona and Stanford, this one is at a pick right now with a total set at 52 and a half. Uh, Khalil Tate and... The Wildcats, uh, they took a bit of a step back last week, but they still have, obviously, talent, and they've been uh, raising some eyebrows in the South Division this year, now going on the farm against a Stanford team that's been struggling for most of the season. Yeah, Stanford really has been struggling this year. We talked about it before the season started, and I was shocked seeing the Stanford over-under in terms of wins for the season. It was really low. It was the lowest I've ever seen it. And I was saying to you, man, like Stanford under under David Shaw hasn't, um, I think they haven't won less than, I think, eight games under him so far. They haven't had a losing season at least, right, under David Shaw. So it, it seemed very disrespectful, but now we're kind of seeing this thing play out the way I guess Vegas saw it playing out. I don't think they could have predicted Stanford to be on their third-string quarterback. No one could really predict that. Um, K.J. Costello, they really missed that guy. But Arizona... Um, we talked about in previous weeks, they got a great rushing offense. Khalil Tate uh, and, and J.J. Taylor, they can really get it done. Stanford's defense is not all that good. They're definitely not the Stanford defense we've we've grown to love in past years. Uh, but in this matchup head-to-head, Stanford's won the last five in a row. And in fact, they haven't lost to Arizona uh under David Shaw. So David Shaw has had Arizona's numbers. But both of these teams are dealing with injuries Last week, Arizona had to play without two starting offensive linemen. Um, plus, Tate and Taylor have kind of been battling injuries throughout the year. So I've been impressed so far with how Arizona has been dealing uh, with the injury situation and going through adversity all year. Kevin Sumlin, credit to him and keeping his guys motivated. And Arizona really, I mean, at this point, they're kind of still in the race in the South. You know, I mean, not really, but kind of. So... Um, I don't know, dude. Overall, I, I like Arizona in this game. Uh, looking at Stanford really quick here, their offensive coordinator, Tavita Pritchard, he's a former Stanford quarterback. He's only 32 years old. I was actually reading some local uh, beat writers uh, from Stanford, and they were talking about the team. And what I was reading doesn't give me a whole lot of uh, hope in the Cardinal this weekend. They, they were basically talking about, oh man, like Stanford's down right now. I never thought I would see 
the downfall of Stanford under David Shaw and what are we going to do with the future and you know it just a lot of concern from local writers um, in Palo Alto so I'm not very confident in Stanford and on top of that they only have six healthy offensive linemen available and they're on their third string quarterback Jack West who went five of 32 143 yards against UCLA. It's not going to really get it done. Five of 32 or 15? 15, 15, excuse oh, me, 15. Oh, my God. Still I, yeah, bad, I'm but not talking God. about the Rutgers quarterback. Yeah, who really geez. was probably yeah. five of 32. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> um, yeah, all in all, though, uh, I, I like Arizona in this game. I, and normally, I'd be picking Stanford at the farm, but this is just a different year. The Pac-12 is just a different conference this year. Uh, you can't just look at these teams based on what they've done over the past five, ten years. Things are different. Stanford is down. Arizona has been impressive to me based on what I've seen so far. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Arizona Wildcats in a pick em. There it is. Cal at Utah. Utah, what a bizarre line and total relationship in yeah. this one. I'm not sure if I've ever seen anything quite like it. But Utah has been playing well. They've been flexing muscle. They've been scoring the rock, and they've been uh, holding opponent offenses uh, to minimal production. Utah laying 21 and a half at home to the Golden Bears with a total at 36 and a half. 21 and a half on the spread, 36 and a half on the total. Wow. Have you ever seen anything like that? Rarely. I'll tell you, very rarely. And yeah, this is this is pretty crazy when the spread is almost as high as the total. Crazy. It's just like, what? <laughs> like, good luck, Cal offense. Right? Yeah. They're basically giving no respect to the Cal offense. And honestly, I don't blame them. You shouldn't respect the Cal offense. Uh, Monster, I don't trust the guy. Let's look at this. Utah's defense, they're second in rushing defense. They only allow, second in the nation, not Pac-12, in the nation. Wow. They allow 61 yards a game on the ground. I mean, teams are not able to do anything, and we know Cal can't really run the football. In fact, they're 10th in the Pac-12 in in rushing offense. They're only ahead of Stanford and Washington State, and you can just throw Washington State away because they don't they don't ever run the football. So, I mean, that's that's not impressive. Cal is going to, essentially what this means, Judah, is that Cal is going to have to lean on Monster to win the game. I mean, do you trust that? <laughs> I, 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 don't, I certainly don't trust that. Now, 21 and I, a half. I can lean on Monster to play in the game, but that's yeah, just yeah. about it. He'll take some snaps. Yeah. He'll touch the football. He'll touch the football. I'm pretty confident in that. He'll touch the football. The question is, will he have anyone around him to like throw the football to? Because he certainly can't hand the ball off because Cal's not going to rush for more than 50 yards in this game. If they do, I'd be very, very surprised. Very surprised. So Utah is going to shut them down in the ground game. They're going to force Monster to throw the football. And then the question is, can Monster just miraculously become a quarterback all of a sudden? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. And so that's why I would lean Utah covering this big spread. Now... Utah has covered a couple big lines in their last two games. They were 14.5-point favorites at home against Oregon State. Well, they won 52-7. to Let's just, you know, Safe to say they covered that one. The next game, 16-point favorites at, at home against Arizona State. I mean, excuse, they were on a road at Oregon State. Then they come home against Arizona State, laying 16. And, yeah, I thought Arizona State was going to cover that because you, know, you can't doubt Arizona State on the road. They almost did. Final score, 21-3. to So that thing went way under. Utah covered that big number. And Arizona State only passed for 25 yards on Utah. And they dominated. And Utah dominated the time of possession. 
and first downs in that game. I see the same thing happening in this one. Uh, I think Utah is probably going to cover this, but even though this total is 36.5, Judah, I, I think my favorite play is still the under. Wow. The under is 12-2 and two combined for these teams this year. 12-2. and two. So, I'm going to go under 36.5. It's a crazy number. It's lower than most NFL numbers, but I probably see this game, eh, let's call it 30-6. to six. You go under by a half point. Let's hope it's not that close, but point is, Cal's got nothing going on offense. Utah's defense is going to dominate. Not a lot of points. Go under. Play the under. Final game, Arizona State at UCLA. Arizona State in Pasadena laying four and a half on the road with a total at 55 and a half. And I look at that at first blush. I've been seeing how well the Sun Devils have been playing. I'm like, yeah, is that easy money? I mean, I mean, I feel like ASU should be able to cover four and a half against UCLA talking matchups. But what do you make of this? Yeah, the series is dead even at 5-5 five to five in their last 10 meetings. So th- this is one of those matchups in the Pac-12 that it's it's literally just a coin flip. Just flip a coin and see what happens. These teams have really just been even uh, over the last decade. The last three meetings have just been decided by a touchdown or less. So, you know, a lot of close games in recent history. But here's the thing. UCLA is coming off of a big win at Stanford, which ended their 11-year drought to the Cardinal. So UCLA is high off that win. Chip Kelly getting a little bit of breathing room from the media. We know Stanford's down, but that was a big win for the Bruins in that game. Arizona State's coming off a tough loss at Utah. They didn't cover. But ASU still has aspirations of a Pac-12 South title. So they have the motivational edge here. And the question is, will UCLA embrace this spoiler role? UCLA is going to be at home. And it's like, how up are they for this game? ASU's defense is top 20, allowing just 18 points a game. UCLA's defense is allowing 35 a game. I I like what Jaden Daniels has been doing so far this year for the ASU offense. Um, I I love the coaching edge here for ASU. And I think ASU with a small number, I'm not going to overthink it. They're going to win the game, and they're going to cover four. So that's the better team, and they're going to cover the spread and win this game. And in fact, the line opened at two and a half. So it looks like the money agrees with me. Yeah, we talked the other day about some of the splits between Daniels on, at home and Daniels on the road mm-hmm. and uh, how different they looked mm-hmm. in terms of yardage mm-hmm. and, and touchdowns, uh, even though he's been taking care of the ball pretty much both places. UCLA, we know, does not offer home field advantage yeah. for the Bruins. And it's got to be – it's a similar environment <laughs> than, than ASU would be. You know, it's kind of warm, right. not a whole lot of opposing fans in the building. It should – you know, not a great defense for the Bruins. It should provide opportunities for Daniels to make plays. So, ASU. All right, ripping through some big-time top 25 games. Let's do this rapid fire here, too. Let's start Wisconsin at Ohio State. Urban Meyer returning to the scene with the Big Fox pregame show. And Ohio State, who has been so impressive, that defensive line, plug-and-play, NFL-caliber players annually with that unit. Buckeyes laying 14 and a half at home to Wisconsin with a total at 50. And Zach, them Badgers, they fell prey to a classic, classic look ahead spot last week as 30 point favorites in Champaign to the Illini. Wow. They lose on a field goal at the buzzer. And now Paul Christ and uh, Jonathan Taylor and company have to regroup and go to Columbus. Yeah, that's going to be a little bit tough for you. And there was definitely some champagne being popped in Champaign. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we've heard that all week. But anyways, 
<laughs> Ohio State, one of the most balanced teams, if not the most balanced team in the country right now. I'm extremely impressed. They're well-deserving of being in the top three teams in the country at this point. Um, here's the thing. These are the two best defenses in the country statistically. Wisconsin's number one. Ohio State is number two. Wisconsin allows 7.6 points a game. Ohio State allows eight points a game. So if I do the math there, it looks like there's going to be 16 points scored. No. But <laughs> the total 52, it's dropped down to 50. You know, that that tells me, yeah, they're respecting these defenses right here. But Ohio State, here's the difference maker for you. Ohio State is third in points per game. They're averaging almost 50 points a game. And the best offense that Wisconsin's faced this season is probably Michigan, mm-hmm. who averages 29 points a game. And Michigan isn't known for their offense. They're normally known for their defense. And their offense is really what's cost them uh, this entire Jim Harbaugh era. So the average efficiency of offenses that Wisconsin has faced this season is 88th. So this is a gigantic leap in talent that this Wisconsin defense is going to be facing in this Ohio State offense. Uh, I I see Ohio State coming out here early, getting a lead. Wisconsin has never trailed this season, except for that last second field goal. They have never trailed this entire season. And so... Knowing that offense, they're not customary. It's not normal for them to play from behind and play well, right? right? They're not exactly going to throw it all over the place. Yeah, and so that's why we're going to see a lot about, or we're going to learn a lot about Jack uh, Cohen. Is that how you say his name? Cohen? Cohen? Yeah. Cohen. Yeah. yeah, Jack Cohen, quarterback Jack Cohen for Wisconsin. What happens, you know, when Jonathan Taylor is, is shut down? I mean, you can't really shut the guy down, but what happens when you limit him and you kind of take him out of the game? What happens when Ohio State has a two-touchdown lead and now Jack Cohen needs to throw the football and they need to come from behind? We haven't seen that yet this season. So the way I look at it is... Ohio State is going to successfully get a lead in this game, and Wisconsin is going to trail for the first time this season. And then we're really going to see what this Wisconsin offense is made of and if Jack Cohen can handle it. I don't think he does. I think Ohio State covers this 14.5-point spread, and I also like the under. Play the under. Doubling up. Auburn at LSU. The Tigers and Tigers with LSU laying 10.5 in Death Valley. A total at 59. LSU, uh, they were able to take care of business against Mississippi State and Florida before that. Tell you what, if they win this game, they should probably be the number one ranked team in the country going forward because of the Tua injury and how well will Bama look in the game against Arkansas without them. But in any case, LSU has been so impressive this year, particularly offensively, but they've got defense as well. Meanwhile, Auburn, defense is loaded. And uh, we've seen that firsthand a couple of times this year. Ten and a half, is that too much? Or is that where it needs to be where Bo Nix is a true freshman going into Death Valley? Mm, Yeah, Bo Nix. See, that's the difference right there. I think it's right where it needs to be. Um, I'm looking at laying the points with the LSU Tigers. I agree with you. I think they're a top two team in the the country. If they win this game, I think they are as deserving as anyone to be the number one ranked team in the country. They already have two top ten wins. This would be their third top ten win. Um, this season. And yeah, I mean, the other top 10 wins, Florida, I don't really consider to be, I don't know, a top 10 team. I mean, we'll, we'll see how that plays itself out. But Joe Burrow is the Heisman favorite right now. And I think he went into the season as 200 to one odds. I actually just saw a guy who put 50 on that 
uh, to win like ten thousand, and so now you know he's he's feeling pretty good now that now that Burrow is the leader in the Heisman race at plus one twenty five. He's completing a ridiculous seventy nine point four percent of his passes this season. It's unheard of. Twenty nine touchdowns, just three picks. He's looking like Trevor Lawrence last year, right? And against top ten opponents in those two games, Burrow is thrown for eighty two point five percent completion percentage, seven touchdowns, and just one interception. Let's look at Bo Nix. Bo Nix against Florida on the road at Florida. That's their toughest game, I'd say, this so far this season, aside from the Ducks, of course. Um, Bo Nix went 11 of 27, 40% throwing, 145 yards, a touchdown, three interceptions at Florida. So I, I see a similar story, story playing out in this game. I think LSU's offense is going to continue to roll. They put up 42 points on the Florida's on Florida's defense. So I think LSU can get up there in the 30s against Auburn. And I, I really don't trust Bo Nix on the road here. This is the toughest competition he's going to face on the road since Florida. So I'm going to go ahead and lay the 10.5 with LSU gladly. And I think the better team stands out here and, and the young quarterback, uh, we're going we're to see him struggle a little bit. On LSU, Penn State at Michigan State. This is kind of a fun one, although... I know your relationship with uh, Michigan State is I know. Uh, a little yeah. scarred, and for good reason. But the Nittany Lions in East Lansing laying six on the road, and I believe money has already been coming in on the home team with a total at 43.5. What do you make of Penn State and Sparty? Oh, man. I know. Sparty is just they're, they're, uh, they're a pain in my side most of the time, and sometimes they really come through for me. In this game, Michigan State opened as a seven-point underdog. It's since moved to six, so it looks like some action is coming in on the Spartans. Now, the Spartans are coming off of a bye week, and Penn State is now on their third straight like big-time game in a row, right? coming off the whiteout against Michigan. Um, I, I think Michigan State is going to be ready to play. In fact, they've won five of the last six meetings against Penn State including the last two by four points or less, couple tight games, right? Michigan State on offense, they can't run the football. They're 10th in the conference in rushing yards per game, and Penn State we know is a top-five defense, right? They're fourth in the nation in rushing yards allowed. They only allow 66 yards rushing. So Michigan State likely won't be able to find success running the football. They also have three freshmen running backs. So a lot is going to be on the shoulders of Brian Lewerke. Question is, can Brian Lewerke do enough to keep the Spartans in this game if they're not able to get anything going on the ground? The other question here is Sean Clifford for Penn State, a freshman quarterback. We saw him go on the road to Iowa, and they beat them 17-12. to I see this game similar to that, right? A low-scoring game, and I think Michigan State covers this game. The thing is they're going to have to shut down my man K.J. Hamler. Because he's the big playmaker for Penn State. But you got a senior quarterback for Michigan State. You got a freshman quarterback for Penn State. You got Penn State on their third straight big-time game. You got Michigan State off a bye. They're at home. I think Michigan State plays their best game of the season this weekend. And I just have a gut feeling the Spartans are going to knock off Penn State. Play the under. That was not the right one. <laughs> but still play the under. Yeah, I think, yeah, the under might still, still play the play. under. Yeah, apparently uh, we really want you to play 20 the to under. 17 Sparty. Maybe a shekel on the uh, ooh, shekel on the money line we need to drop for that too. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame at Michigan. 
we see the Fighting Irish have been up and, and they've been down a little bit. They come, they covered impressively at Georgia and then they didn't at home against USC. They are one point favorite now on the road at the Michigan Wolverines with a total at 51 and a half. But we were looking at this line before we jumped on the mic and it opened Michigan mm-hmm. minus four in a lot of places and it swung all the way through zero to the Irish. A lot of people fading Jim Harbaugh in another big game type of spot and atmosphere. And it's yeah. hard to blame him for doing that. But has the fading gone too far? Yeah, I mean, you can't blame him Blame him at all. He's 1-10 in 10 overall against top 10 competition. Again, I, we said it on the podcast last week, Jim Harbaugh has never won as an underdog as Michigan's head coach. So, you know, why, why choose differently in this matchup? But here's why, Judah. Here's why I like the Wolverines this weekend. Uh-oh. The Irish have won the last two in this meeting, but both were in South Bend. Michigan has won the last four meetings when they brought it to Ann Arbor. So Michigan does play better at home, and specifically in this matchup, head-to-head, it's clear that they've played better at home. They've won the last four at home. Notre Dame is off a bye, and Michigan is coming off that game against Penn State. I was impressed in the second half with what I saw from Michigan State, their fight and how they were able to stay in that game and and almost kind of climb back into that game. Notre Dame, I mentioned, I think they're a little bit uh, fraudulent. They played Georgia, and that was a game where it was kind of like their Super Bowl. And Georgia played very conservatively in the second half, running the football a lot. They didn't really go to the air too much. Jake Fromm, that's one of the things I think Georgia will need to do at some point this season is actually push the ball downfield, which they didn't do at all against Notre Dame, and that's why the final score was what it was. And then they almost get beat by USC, which USC isn't anything special this year either. So I think Notre Dame is in for it this weekend on the road at Michigan. I think this is finally it, Judah. I think finally Jim Harbaugh, I mean, they're only a one-point a one point underdog, so I mean, they're technically still an underdog. It's basically a pick em. Um, But I think, I think Michigan gets this game, dude. I really do. I think Michigan wins this football game. Uh, and I also kind of like the over I mean it's it's Michigan we know they have a good defense and both of these teams uh, are averaging uh, or I guess their defenses are averaging less than 20 points per game allowed so their defenses are pretty good but since 2010 the over 6-0 when Michigan is a home underdog and overs are 5-2 and in Michigan games so far this season but my best bet Michigan Wolverines they finally get the big win they need for Jim Harbaugh and a little bit of pressure is taken off from him for now, at least until they play Ohio State. Wouldn't it be just perfect for Jim Harbaugh's like first big win over mm-hmm. a top ten team to be when uh, in a matchup when the when the line originally favored his team by yeah, four, right. and then it swung all the way back through to, to you right. know to fade him. And of course, that's the game he ends up winning. Yeah, exactly. He, he might not even cover the four. So it's like, can you really <laughs> call like, them yeah, an underdog? Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> that sounds like the perfect spot yeah. for quote unquote redemption for Harbaugh. Yep. Uh, but I'm there with you. All right, let's get to uh, the professional ranks. It was a cold evening in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Your mind goes to Foxborough. I don't know why. I guess just this just reminds me of playoff football. It reminds <laughs> me of cold weather. Well, and that, playoff football, cold weather, Foxborough. It's funny. For me, this is, uh, and you'll like this, but one of the 
VHS films I grew up watching was uh, 49ers 1994 Super Bowl video. Oh, okay. And uh, you know how they make Super Bowl videos for the team that wins and all yeah. that, like championship videos or whatever. My dad was a big Niner fan, as was my brother, so we had that on VHS, and I would watch that like a oh, ridiculous man. amount of times. Ridiculous, yeah. just because I loved football. I would have, uh, I, I yeah. would have watched it if uh, if I had it at the time. I think at that moment in time, I was in a full body cast. Well, both my legs were in a cast with a bar in between. What happened? I broke my femur at age two, two and a half, tripping out of a tent. You know, bones aren't fully formed yet in my legs at that point, so it was a spiral fracture. So I literally had a cast on both legs, bar in between, and I had to crawl on my hands and knees for, you know, a good few months or whatever it was. Um, but I was watching a lot of Niners football at a young age at that point, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's even like one of those wow. little slots in the back where you kind of can open it up so I can, you know, do my business and whatnot. It was, it was ugly. Very ugly. Dude, we just got real real deep but you know what that's like man there's more to that there's more to that maybe for for another pod but, <laughs> yeah exactly but uh man you really yeah you you had to work your way for everything yeah yeah <laughs> from right. a young age literally had to crawl yeah you know crawl before you can walk yeah again <laughs> pretty much yeah. you already did that yeah man but yeah that's uh i was growing up watching 49er videos and it uh, had that nfl film stuff on I all the time it. Where you're going this weekend, right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, I'll be in Santa Clara at Levi's Stadium. My first visit to Levi's Stadium, seeing the 49ers play host to the Carolina Panthers. That's right. And uh, you're going to scout it out and tell us where what it looks like for when Oregon plays Utah in the Pac-12 right. title game there. Right, exactly. Uh, best bets. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit to start the show. You went uh, 3-0 and again? 3-0. Yeah, well, the, the week before, I think I was 1-2, and two, so it was a good bounce back for me. There you go. Good bounce back for you. And uh, looking up and seeing Minnesota do their thing and New England do their thing early, I was like, man, he is seeing the ball well. Do you feel like you're seeing the ball well again this week? I feel pretty good about it, yeah. Um, it's weird because last week I didn't really feel all that great about it, and I ended up going 3-0. and So, I don't know, betting's weird, man. Sometimes you feel great and you go 0-3. Sometimes you're like, eh, I don't know about this, and you go 3-0. and I'm feeling kind of middle of the road right now. So let's just hope we have a winning weekend. All right, well, let's uh, let's change it up a little bit. I'll go first yeah. so I can uh, change the juju on what's been going on. And I'm not overthinking stuff. You know, I haven't, uh, I'm not getting all granular or anything like that. I'm just going to, I'm going to see and I'm going to rock with it and uh, turn around the fortunes. And I figured, look, if I really need a bounce back week, I have to bet on teams I believe in. That's yeah. just the way it goes. Got people I've won on before. And uh, just don't overthink it. Just just yep. go play, right? Seattle minus three and a half at Atlanta is one of Ooh, those. Ooh, okay. It's yeah. because look, Dan Coyne and Pete Carroll, they know each other well. Uh, Dan was the D.C. in Seattle for a long time. I think they've probably been on the phone with each other maybe a couple of times this week just to be like, hey, man, you know, hey, we're going to be competing hard against one another. I would not be surprised if Dan Coyne gets fired at the end of this game and uh, Matt oh. Schaub playing, not Matt mm-hmm. Ryan. Uh, and I'm, you know, Seattle, Atlanta. Seattle's played in Atlanta many, many times. A couple of postseason games, a couple of regular season games. They've won big there before. They've lost some playoff heartbreakers there before. Uh, I think this is going to be a big win. I think Seattle will be able to run the ball well with Carson uh, Wilson playing indoors. It's over, man. No Mohamed Sanu. Yeah, yeah. No, no Mo Sanu. I just think, man, I, I don't think you're going to get three and a half in a matchup like this very often. 
and yeah. uh, Seattle gets right from the Baltimore matchup last week. It's a bad matchup. It's a bad matchup for yeah. Pete Carroll defense and Lamar. Uh, and even the the pass defense played just fine against Lamar. It was obviously the the quarterback contained defense that. And you're not going to have that on the road here. Seattle wins big. Yeah, and, and you know what? The, it, it's weird how sometimes you can look at these lines yourself and then all it takes is someone else to bring it up in a certain way. And the way you just went through that game, I love it. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like I think that's. I think I'm going to bet that personally this weekend. So, guys, I think Judah's seeing it well. I can tell based on this first pick. Love that. Seahawks minus three and a half. Uh, Matt Schaub, who? I mean, come on now. <laughs> exactly. Hey, they've they've uh, made Matt Schaub look silly before when he was a Houston quarterback mm-hmm. in that uh, 2013 season when they went to the Super Bowl. All right, what's your first one? My first one, I guess we just got to start with the game I'm going to be at. And, you know, I think the biggest factor here is that I'm going to be there. And so anytime <laughs> I'm there, it's good luck. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, have you experienced that before? I have. I've experienced the exact opposite before as well. But I've never been to Levi Stadium, so now we're going to really see. Yeah. If I go there and the Niners lose their first game of the season, well, I know that I'm probably not going to any more games at Levi Stadium. I'll go to road games. I'll go to, go to the Seattle games at Seattle. Um, but, yeah, I do like the 49ers minus six. Um, here's why. Yeah, yeah, they added Emmanuel Sanders. That's a great pickup. They were looking for that number one receiver. And he, I guess he might be playing this weekend. That's why they got him early in the week. Uh, that's not going to be a major factor for me, although it does add to an already impressive offense, a very speedy offense, that is, with Goodwin, Pettis, you know, Kittle at the tight end position. You got the young Debo, Samuel, Richie James, Coleman, and Brita. I mean, you name it, right? They got weapons all over the place, plus a great offensive line. And speaking of the offensive line, Joe Staley looks like he's going to be returning. That's Ooh, a huge, that's big time. huge, Cowboys, huge, Cowboys yeah. Staley. Yep, so that's a huge addition for them on the O-line. I mean, they were without him, and they have another lineman, uh, their right tackle, McGlitchy. McGlitchy, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he's coming back, maybe not this weekend, but Mm. the weekend after. So they got pieces coming back to that offense. Even if they can just get Staley back, that's huge. Top five defense in the NFL. I don't think Kyle Allen has seen a defense like this so far this season. Yeah, he's undefeated as a starter, and he's been very impressive, and I think the Panthers' offense is better with him, but I see him struggling here against the biggest test that he's faced all season. A lot of Christian McCaffrey, and so I just don't think Christian McCaffrey can win the game on his own. I think the Niners cover the six. Go ahead and book it. There it is. Niners and the six. All right, my second one, I'm going to go to another coach that I believe in and fade a quarterback that uh, is worth fading every time. I'm laying five and a half with Indianapolis at home to Denver. Mm. Uh, I think the Indianapolis defense, I mean, great game last week with uh, Deshaun Watson and and the Texans. Darius Leonard's returned for Indianapolis. That's a big one. Um, And obviously, I think Joe Flacco's just not the right guy. And I can can fade him, you know, any day of the week. You can fade him Thursday, uh, last uh, week against KC. Now you got to fade him on a Sunday afternoon. I know five and a half is kind of a Vegas zone, middle zone number. But I, I could see this being a thirty to fifteen or thirty to thirteen type of game. Mm-hmm. Uh Brissett, you know, was on fire last week. Um the Denver defense, it's better at home than it is on the road, even in indoor environment. I think Indianapolis is able to win this game by a touchdown at least. I, I like that. That was one of the games I had booked on here as well. Um if you weren't gonna pick it, I was probably gonna pick it honestly. But I agree, Joe Flacco is absolutely immobile. He he drops back, he stands there, he can't do anything with it. It's going to put a lot of pressure on Lindsey and Freeman to get the ground game going in if they can't. 
they're in a lot of trouble. So mm. I'm in agreement with that one. I'll tell you. I like it. So far, so good. So far, so good. Yeah, man. All right, number two. Number two here. Got to go with the best team in the NFL right now. So you notice a little trend here. I took the undefeated Niners. I'm going to take the undefeated Pats. Go ahead and give me minus 13 with the Patriots. Spread here opened minus 11. It's gone all the way up to 13. Early action coming in on the Pats. Defensive end Michael Bennett. He's back from a week-long suspension. That's going to help them. And we know the Cleveland Browns offensive line cannot protect Baker Mayfield. And Baker continues to run his mouth to the media and, and kind of look like a little baby out there. And it's it's very unimpressive. It's very unprofessional. Odell Beckham, same thing, complaining about all his uh, fines and, you know, not wearing pants that are covering his knees, blah, blah, blah. It's just a lot of distractions happening for the Browns. They're not focused on football. They're not focused on winning. Uh, they're 2-4. and four. They're a huge disappointment. I don't trust Baker on the road in Foxborough. So Patriots win this one big. Mohamed Sanu is now on the Patriots. No more Josh Gordon. Now, I don't think Sanu is going to be the difference maker in this game, but it definitely helps them. But I see this final score being something like Patriots 35, Browns 10. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Bill Belichick and young quarterbacks. Yeah. When he gets to game plan against them, it's oh, over. Cash. It is absolutely over. Cash. Uh, and, let, you know, just rare circumstances where it's a dual threat quarterback and then, you know, every so often he gets bitten, but that won't be the case here with Baker. Um, I was thinking about a couple of different ones for my final one, but here's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go Sunday night football in Kansas city. Mm -hmm. I'm going to lay three and a half with the Packers. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I'm going to muscle up and do this, grind my teeth and do this. Oh man. Um, a couple of things. One, I don't think Mahomes is going to play. So it'll be Matt Moore. Two, Mike Betton, defensive coordinator, he's got that unit locked and loaded. I'm really impressed with what Green Bay is doing defensively this year. Um, We saw them play a similar scheme in Chicago, right, division rival. And Trubisky could do nothing against Green Bay in week one of the season, right? That's a Matt Nagy scheme. He came from KC, so same playbook, same scheme with Matt Moore. Now, what, do you think Trubisky and... And more are similar. I mean, more might be an upgrade in slight circumstances, as mm-hmm. sad as that is to say, but I think it's marginal at best. I don't think there will be much of a difference. I think KC will struggle to put the ball in the end zone. They might move it between the 20s, but I see a lot of field goals in this game. Uh, Rodgers, obviously hot. Six touchdown total performance last week uh, against the Oakland Raiders. Now going on the road in primetime. Ro- betting on Aaron Rodgers in primetime is something I'm comfortable doing when I need a win. <laughs> Yeah, in a bounce yeah. back week against the Kansas City defense that they've got a couple guys, but losing D Ford and Justin Houston in the offseason, they have not improved in the pass rush department despite bringing in Frank Clark. So Steve Spagnolo's got some work to do with that KC defense. I think they'll be on the field a lot in this game. I just think uh, KC's offense won't be able to do a whole lot against Green Bay. I won't mess with the total because Rodgers can get hot and, mm-hmm. and blow that out mm-hmm. of the water like he did last week when I lost money you know, fading him against the Raiders. But uh, I think three and a half, all right, Green Bay will show in prime time they're one of the best teams in the league mm-hmm. as well. I think I think you and Bryce have talked me off of taking the Chiefs and the points in this game because I was originally looking to take the points with the Chiefs, even with Matt Moore, which I know sounds crazy, and I won't dive too far into this. But overall, um, my angle with that was just Matt LaFleur is a rookie head coach. He's done really well so far, but now you're going on the road for only their third road game of the season against Andy Reid, a very veteran coach. 
he's going to have a game plan even if it is Matt Moore. And he knows right now if it's Matt Moore. It's not like they're waiting until kickoff to figure that out. He knows what it is. And the Packers, the pa- both teams don't have good rush defenses. So this is why I like the under in this game. Even though you said that you know Aaron Rodgers can go off at any point, that does scare me as well. But I think this is an under type of game. I think overall that would be my best bet, um, especially if Matt Moore is playing because I think the Chiefs will rely on the ground game a little bit more. They're not going to have Matt Moore try to win the game. And I think if the Packers are smart, they're going to try to run the football early as well because the Chiefs are bottom five in rush defense. Play the under. You got one more, my friend. My final best bet here, I'm going to go the New York Giants plus seven at Detroit. Total 59 and a half. Couple points here. The Lions are 28th in rushing defense and they're 30th in passing defense. So, in short, the Lions don't have a defense. Secondly, the Giants have Saquon Barkley back. So, go ahead and let Saquon run wild. You got Daniel Jones. He went off in his opener. Since then, he's been pretty much an average NFL quarterback, probably below average. Um, So, go ahead and let Saquon run the football control the clock, and now that Detroit doesn't have on Johnson, uh, they're going to have to rely on Ty Johnson and J.D. McKissick to kind of take the pressure off of Matthew Stafford. Now, it's pretty much death taxes and Matthew Stafford driving in the fourth quarter with like three minutes left down by a touchdown. <laughs> and so I see, I see probably the same scenario playing out here for the Lions at home. The two wins that they've had this season are by a combined six points. So their two wins are by three points each. I mean, very you could tell a story of how the Lions could be over at this point. Um, and then they tied the first game against the Cardinals and pretty much almost gave that one up. So I'm going to go ahead and take the full touchdown here with the Giants because the Lions' defense is very susceptible, especially against the run. I think Saquon gets it going early. I think not having on Johnson will hurt the Lions on the offense. I think Stafford will throw a pick, and the Giants cover seven, possibly win this game outright. So there it is. All right, to recap our NFL picks, I am taking Seattle minus 3.5 at Atlanta, Indianapolis minus 5.5, home to the Broncos, and Green Bay minus three and a half in primetime at Kansas City. Zach is going with, what was your first one again? 49ers minus six. 49ers minus six to Carolina. New England laying 13 to Cleveland. And uh, his final one, as you just heard, he is going with the Giants. Giants plus the seven at Detroit. Yes, sir. Well, that'd be that'd be tough if Detroit lost back-to-back home games to the Vikings and then the oh, Giants. Oh yeah, yeah, no, definitely. But uh, but I like that. All right, yeah. we're bouncing back this week with our NFL best bets. He's Zach Schlegel. I'm Judah Newby. Bet the game on 750thegame.com. We'll be back uh, doing it next week.